My number one mantra in life, Nikki, is I'm wrong about everything. Because as far as I can tell, I am. Every week, every month, science says, well, sorry, we were wrong. So we don't know if that's true, right? In the work of transformation, every time you have a transformation, you go, oh, my old perspective was wrong. This, as if the newest one is the truth because it's the newest one. The only thing that the transformation provides evidence for is that we're always wrong. It's about living an aligned life. I had amazing success with people, helping them find their purpose or calling and align their life from there. Before we do the alignment, we need the cleanup. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Baloo. And boy, do we have an exciting guest lined up for you today. Today's guest is one of the leading transformational thought leaders that I've ever come across. He was a top leader as a Landmark Forum leader at Landmark Worldwide for many years. He's been involved in the work of transformation as a consultant. And right now, he's got a vision so big, it encompasses the entire world. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary Anurag Gupta. Welcome to the show, Anurag. Thanks. Good to be here. Good to have you here, my man. So, Anurag, the person who listens to this show is Uh an entrepreneur. They're a visionary. They're someone who has a big dream and wants to make it come alive in the world. And the reason they listen to this show is not because of me, because I'm here every week. They listen to this show because they want to learn from you as my guest expert, what you've done and how you do what you do in a way that could help them get on with what they do in a bigger and better way. But before they can open themselves up to you, they got to get to know you. So tell us your backstory. How'd you get to be the great Anurag Gupta? Well, tell you how I got to where I am. Greatest for other people to decide. <laughs> but uh, uh, so I just am what I am. Um, you know, it's 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 an interesting path. I mean, I was born in India. My parents came to Canada when I was young. And, um, uh, grew through some challenging spaces initially. You know, like I was the only non-white kid in my school and didn't speak the language and stuff like that. And that's all fine. And um, and. Uh, after university, I, I became an, uh, accidentally an entrepreneur, meaning that um, I, uh, I I finished my my undergrad and then I was going to take a year off and go back to a master's, you know, in physiology and stuff. And and then I I was an amateur photographer. I thought, hey, I'm going to my year off, I'm going to travel, play a little around with photography. Maybe I can have a little, you know, sideline business. Business took off and everyone back to school. And that's what started the very unplanned path of all of the entire next many years <laughs> was um, so then I built a few different businesses and in each business, um, three of them. And uh, I one, I was had a great work environment. I just loved making sure my, my staff, the customers just, uh, that was my thing. You know what? I want people to be great like that. And people, uh, I, I had a, 
store manager, I found out later after that he'd turned down jobs paying twice as much. That's what I paid him because he never had such a good time every single day. You know, these are all snippets actually going, you know, leading. These are pivotal points also, I would say. But um, in all of that, it was like, uh, then I stumbled across, uh, my sister introduced me to, to Landmark. I did the program, a few programs, made my businesses even better. And then uh, I did some leadership work and was invited to come on staff. And I realized, oh, the more important part to me of my business was having people be great, not the business I was in. And these guys were in the business of having life be great. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? Like that was the, yeah, yeah. that was a, that was the pivot. I like, I worked so hard to create great environments and I realized what I cared for more the most was, and I didn't know there was a such thing as the business of having lives, people's lives be great. I just worked to have people's lives be great in my businesses. So that's what set me on the path. I realized that's what called to me the most. In that time, I spent uh, a number of years working there. And um, the more I did that work, my programs to ten thousands or tens of thousands of people around the world. I became a senior trainer. I became trained to train trainers, develop programs, all these different things. And, a, and I started to see that something was possible in the world bigger than what we were doing. So then the, the next pivotal moment was sitting there one day thinking, okay, Every weekend we're doing this work, leading people, and we're getting closer to critical mass and we're going to have something change because I really, I felt myself committed to impacting the world. And one day, because I'm analytical, I sat down and did some math and I discovered that with through some very thorough research and then doubling the number I found of all the people in the world doing mind awakening, soul awakening work. And the rate of population growth was a thousand times that number, which means we're actually getting away numerically from critical mass by a factor of 10 every year. It just doesn't look that way because I'm around that work all the time. So the population growing is much faster than the people. And we, we tend to get blinded by how we, who we are. And that's another really important part of my effectiveness in the world is like constantly searching for perspectives beyond my own. Constantly looking for where am I wrong? What am I, my number one mantra in life Nikki, is I'm wrong about everything. I like that. Because as far as I can tell, I am. Every week, every month, science says, well, sorry, we were wrong. So we don't know if that's true, right? In the work of transformation, every time you have a transformation, you go, oh, my old perspective was wrong. This, as if the newest one is the truth because it's the newest one. The only thing that the transformation provides evidence for us is that we're always wrong. That's really important. I've, I myself have found that incredibly, incredibly valuable. So I started to go, I started to see, wow, there's, even in the environmental, there's more non-green development in one corner of China or Africa than all the green sustainable development in the world. And it's like, oh, wow, my perspective is really off. I needed to. So the bottom line was, is the next pivotal moment for me was that I'd given my word to impact the world. And I thought I was doing it. And then I realized I wasn't. And I couldn't find anything that was. So I said, either I revoke my word and go back to just making a difference, or if I'm going to make the difference I committed to, I'm going to have to figure out how to do it because it couldn't doesn't exist as far as I can tell. So then, set upon the next 15 years of incredible about R and D, an obsession with performance and effectiveness, I spent uh, decades, like you know, experiment. I've done hundreds of experiments with thousands of people organizations, departments, to what is 
effective in causing large-scale change? What's the most effective? How do we distill it? Um, and so currently, I've gotten to a place where I've chosen amongst studying history, patterns, experiments, that the way to cause large-scale change is not through teaching, it's through building prototypes. So airplane changed everything. Cars changed everything. The compact disc changed the way we listen to music. The inner, this cell phone, right? So it's it, our philosophy is criticize nothing, offer a compelling alternative. So now I'm at work. How do you create a, 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 a new models of education, leaps above anything today that revolutionize education? How do you create how you homes and communities, environmental living spaces? I'm working on a life regenerative business model, a business model that elevates the life of all human beings it touches and it more than offsets its footprint. So in the world, the world, the earth gets healthier and better as a function of it expanding and growing. And we're looking at a new model of wellness. How do we redefine that work uh, in the media? So the idea is to create. So I have an organization I'll call FU. Gents for Fun Unlimited, but, you know, people can. We don't always tell people that, but uh, and it's it's about this having a ridiculously good time, creating, designing, and implementing new models, new ways of doing things. Which these models they cause all of life to flourish, and they alter the trajectory of the planet. So that's what we're up to. Where I'm up to, and um, those different progressions along the way. Those are, there's lots in there. I spent time in boardrooms. I spent time deep in jungles. I now do my, my, my models on the basis of patterns of nature, biomimicry. So I don't build businesses anymore. I grow them. Um, you know, and we'll work with people. It's, it's, uh, it's evolved to uh, levels that, you know, five years ago, even I didn't know were possible for, for people. Wow. What you said is super compelling. And I got a lot of questions. So right. <laughs> go for it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting what you said, because I think right now there are a lot of issues that are going on in the world, and there are a lot of transformational programs that are being taught. There's Landmark, there's Tony Robbins, there's Robin Sharma. There's a whole bunch of folks that are teaching programs, and yet we put all of them together. There's fewer people getting engaged in those than the rate of population growth. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I would say I totally understand why you saw that. The population grows at about 70 million people a year in the world. Right. That even seems low, man. But It's probably higher. That's a conservative, you know, there's different estimate. But I, I go with the conservative. But I, I found the most conservative. And then I found like what a teeny fraction, fraction of that <laughs> is... Uh, is being uh, participated in every program retreat this that I could find, and I took and I doubled that number for all the ones I couldn't find. And uh, you, you know, <laughs> the what, so what's away. that number, right? Like, Landmark is one of the biggest, if not the biggest. It does about three hundred thousand people a year. Tony Robbins does probably fifty thousand people yeah. a year. But so, I don't know. There's a whole bunch of other ones. If we add everything on the planet up, that's being done. Let's say 5 million people a year are doing some sort of transformational work. 10 million people a year? No, no, which is way less than that. You have to remember that the, you look at Landmark is the most common one and all the other numbers. And then the, the numbers go down very rapidly when you get to like very rapidly when you get to smaller programs. Okay. You know, other companies are, are, are lucky if they're doing some thousands a year, a few thousand, you know? 
Right, right. So let's say there's two million people a year doing this, right? And pro and probably less, probably less than one. But even if you give it two, look, there's all kinds of people that do various things. But anyways, let's say that two million people a year do transformational programs. Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't. It, it's not going to work. So the <laughs> idea, yeah. So the idea is the idea is that um, the only way to create massive transformational shifts is by coming up with a compelling new paradigm, a compelling new way to do something, right? So the iPhone, compelling new paradigm. The the, the yeah. VHS, VCR, compelling new paradigm, and it's time. You need technologies like that to get out there that are going to just attract people. Got it? Makes sense. The challenge that I see is this, right? Jeffrey Moore, in his book, Crossing the Chasm, outlined basically a very powerful visual diagram model about the adoption yeah. of new technologies, right? And there was a category that you had to get through, right? So step one is you've got the super early adopters. These are the people that'll buy anything new, any cool new gadget, they're into it, they're going to buy it, right? But this is a very, very tiny percentage of people. Step two is up to 10% of the universe of buyers. These are the early adopters. These are the ones who are like, okay, I'm going to take a chance, but they're not going to buy the very the prototype that's going to break they want to see something that's already been proven a little bit but then from there is the big chasm about 70% of the population these are the laggards and the later adopters and you got to get those people on board so i i think this is a good book for you to look at and look at jeffrey moore's work and his modeling around all this but how do you apply creating transformational paradigms in a fashion where you're going to be able to create massive adoption over a 10-year period, let's say. Well, see, there's a couple of parts to this. First of all, I've been doing this development for almost 20 years. And in 15 years ago, I learned a valuable lesson, which was not to launch too early. People have been a bit impatient with me because in that time, I've developed stuff that's really good but it wasn't game changing. And therefore I got tangled up in its success and blah, blah, blah. The, the, it's all in the quality of the design it has to be so high. It has to be so high. It's a no brainer. Get that? It has to be so high. It's a no brainer. Right. Now, the other thing is if you look at it, the, the, the velocity of proliferation is increasing every decade with good stuff. Stuff is going into adoption way faster than it ever has now once they somebody made let's just say a travel search engine why would you call every airline do you remember nikki we used to what we do we would get on the phone remember we would call every airline yeah. <laughs> because because yeah, that's yeah. what you it wasn't a big deal that's what you did what you had to call them it wasn't any internet so why would you do that now there's so many searches but it's just like it's a no-brainer now in, and every time people go, wow, that's not possible. But in less than three months, chat GPT going up to over 100 million users. So tell me how slow that is. Really? No, not at all. And I believe our work will be more, more universal and compelling than chat. I mean, I appreciate chat GPT. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think it's very cool. In three months, 100 million users. How fast did Facebook hit a billion users? 
In our lifetime, stuff that didn't exist is universal in our lifetime. Yeah. So it is proven that past records of adoption keep getting shattered, number one. And number two, I'm also, with every ounce of my doing, designing everything at levels that's never been done before, at levels of impact, quality, simplicity, because the past is not a definitive demonstration of what is possible in the future. At one level, I respect the past and the patterns that have been seen. On the other, I'm like, okay, so what? Who gives a damn? I'm not interested in doing what's been done before. The very, the very nature to say something is not possible because it's not happened before is insane. Yeah, that's the very definition of insanity from my uh, point of view. I mean, insanity just isn't doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Every single thing that we have around us wasn't possible at one time. Well, let me give you a demonstration of this. This is something called a trauma pack. I, I, you're in Vancouver. I don't, I don't know what uh, the violence has been like over there, but in Toronto right now, um, people are getting attacked on subways. A friend of my, my, uh, my sons looked at a kid funny. Ten kids beat him up. It's, it's crazy. So the level of violence in Toronto has gone up, and people are putting holes in other people with knives and things like that. Right. So. Um, I'm about to demonstrate a couple things for you. These two things are called tourniquets. 20 years ago, um, if you were injured, stabbed, or had a puncture in your body of some kind, you could bleed out in five minutes, right? With a tourniquet yeah. over here, I could wrap this around your, your, your limb and save your life in 30 seconds, right? Um, 20 years ago, this was... Nothing this good was available. This is even simpler and easier. It's just stretchy. I don't want to take it out of its packet because, you know, then it you can't use it as easily. But this is a lifesaver, and it wasn't available very, very long ago. You know what I mean? And you could train anybody to use this. This is not hard, right? It's not difficult to do. And um, I'm a believer that these types of technologies are necessary and needed. And I like what you're talking about. How do we make sure the government doesn't stomp on this the way they're trying to stomp on cryptocurrency? Because they don't like cryptocurrency. And I think cryptocurrency is one of those game-changing um, ideas that can really democratize finances and money-making for people. And I don't like that the governments everywhere are trying to control it. Well, I mean, the work that I'm doing is designed to be grassroots, spread it's, it's simply, it's just, I mean, it's, 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 it's you can't contain it because it's going to, it's, well, it's hard to, you have to see all the different models, but it's about, it's made to be dis, 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 dispersible, very implementable, shareable. It's going to go out through many different channels, you know, and there's, there's really nothing to control because it simply gives people a, a, a engaging, compelling, simple access to making life better. And it's a, on a simple principle of that, hey, you know, all these models of thought that are in spiritual or transformation of the work. What I saw, Nikki, was that I, I watched, I'm, I study and I study and I study people and I do experiments and go, look at that. Here's a person taking office, look what this happened, person managing 40 people, doing lots of management development of self, leadership development, little bit of impact, not a lot. 
in performance. And I'm watching suddenly one day there's this emergency deadline. Everybody gets 10 times more productive. Deadline's over. Everybody goes back to being a slob. I go, what just happened? <laughs> Months of different types of intervention. This is marginal improvement. Now, so I go, oh, look at that. A change in the environment. A one second change in environment changed everybody's behavior. And I go, oh, look at that. Here's an example. We could be sitting in a loud, noisy pub talking really loud, right? And then I could walk us, our group into a church. We'll get quiet immediately. Without, without any instruction. And if I said in the church, hey, guys, let's yell, we wouldn't feel like it. You know why? Because every environment pulls for something and pushes against things. It's just that environment. And so I saw, listen, everybody's current environment is pulling and pushing for exactly what they have. We bring them into a, a workshop where the environment is so thoughtfully created for um, uh, awakeness, inspiration, authenticity, right? All this stuff. And that happens reliably week after week. But then we send them back into their old environment at 100 miles an hour, and we expect it to stick. I go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> I can see this. And I started to work on the environments. And so now it's like, oh, if, we're gonna, if, we, if we want to have these principles alive, we don't teach it in little places in the back. We create models that are based on that, a business model, which is just about, it's based on that DNA, right? A school model, it's based on that. And it's just, you know, et cetera, and so on. And it's just a different... Operating system, super environment, everything like that, and and everything designed to have everything work better. So how would that work? Well, the, in the in the in the business model, let's say, so I have a, developed an entire methodology. It's very simple about people living an aligned life, and. Uh, it, we, we make we're in the process of prototyping right now. We're doing our third prototype run of of phase one of it because it's it broke. It's over years, over ten years, it's evolved, evolved, evolved into. Here's an example. It's called the alignment game, which is is something that we want to put out to the world, and uh, it's about living an aligned life. And I, I've done had amazing success with people helping them find their purpose or calling and align their life from there. And. Again, in my obsession of effectiveness, I was like, ah, hmm, people will get normally, like, like normal, get triggered sometimes, get knocked off course, call, get coaching, get back on. After seeing that a number of times, I go, wait a minute. Instead of correcting the trigger, why not get rid of it? What's going on? So then I started to dig in every time to go what's underneath that and then find out what's at the source of that trigger, clean it up, which then led to, holy shit, we need phase one. Before we do the alignment, we need the cleanup. So when we have the cleanup game, which is what we're prototyping right now, is trying to go back into every area of your life, your physical space, environment, everything, your relationships, the administration of your life, your bills, your taxes, everything, your, your health and wellness and vitality, your state of being, you know, resentments, regrets, upset, clean everything out, clean everything out. And when you clean everything out, you can't be matched with. And now we're making it into... Uh, we're gonna, it's really we made it very funny, very engaging. Um, we keep what we're, I mean, we're still developing it. We had some amazing results with our first couple of runs, just 20, 50 people. Then we'll do it again with some groups. Um, so that's that's actually, I have all these people asking me, Cal, can we have that game as a foundation here? Can we have that for our staff? Can we have it for this? Um, I haven't even told anybody about it yet. I just can't even find out. And uh, but as an example, Take this business, all of the staff will be 
nurtured inside of an environment of the alignment game of having other of life. So just to be the business will be a life fulfillment engine for anybody who's there. It elevates their life, makes your life better. It's focused on people. And then it also contributes in the philosophy of the way that I have always designed business, even before this really very high performance business is that it's all about, it's always about service and serving people. That's the most important thing. It's not how much more can we get? It's how much more can we give? It's, and it's quite interesting because everybody resists that. Everybody's like, I want a business so I can get more, so I can get more. And I go, no, don't just give me, no, no, I want to get more. So, well, if you had two identical businesses uh, serving the same thing and one was all about how to give you more, the other one was how to get more from you, which one would you shop at? <laughs> I mean, it's not no freaking complicated. Right? Yeah. yeah. So then, and people won't trust that. Like they won't even trust their own sense of where they would shop. So just give. So we, we, all we do is we, we elevate life. We are elevating and generating life of every human being that the business comes in contact with. We reduce the ecological footprint of the business as small as possible. And then we have the business give back into um, the ecology, into the environment more than what its footprint is so that it is elevating the life of people and elevating the life of the planet every year, every day. And as it grows more, it makes more impact. In all of our work, there's something that we call the flip. Like this is what this is what changed the game. For years, I was I produced higher and higher performance in this and that. And I thought I was bringing, you know, uh, like so. Uh, and but I realized I was actually I I have a view that our overall economic system is not healthy for the planet. I have a view. Some people share that view. Some people don't. But if it's only about more and more and more, we more what you want to keep you can't keep doing that. There's a finite physical world we can't just keep consuming the only thing in nature that does that is cancer just grows more and more and more for no purpose so um and then i realized i've spent i've spent help companies grow to double to 10 to even a thousand times their size make a thousand times more things people don't need with no retro no, no retribution to the earth right not take not balanced at all and i go oh i'm actually accelerating a system that i don't believe and I, and I was bringing transformation, hoping that would make a difference. It did. It just created more. It did not. It just created more success. It validated success in that world. And um, and then the, when I, I was examining, trying to figure out what else to do, my time's in the jungle, a new pattern arose in the big flip. And the big flip is this. Instead of bringing transformation to companies to create successful companies, I create successful companies in order to cause transformation. So we're launching a business model where people are going, wow, I could have the purpose of my company would be to serve life. That's an example. I can get into details, but that's the general model. So here's the thing, right? I'm going to play devil's advocate for a moment. Um, sure. For me, like I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. My dad was a business owner and mm -hmm. he passed away three years ago, uh, February 23rd, 2020. I was reviewing the landmark advanced course. It was a Sunday night when my, my lady called me and said, your dad, your dad passed. And I saw him the day before. I mean, I took time out of the class to go to the hospital because my mom said, you know, I don't know how much longer he's going to last. And, I didn't think he was going to pass that weekend, but he did. And here's what you got to get about my dad. He was an entrepreneur and he was very successful. He made a lot of money. But when I was growing up, he would tell me, son, um, business isn't about money. Business is about people. 
And I was a kid. I never got that, right? I was like, Dad, what are you talking about? Like, is, isn't the reason you're in business to make money so, you know, we can uh, have a house, uh, food, car? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, you need all that. But that's not what the business is for. The business is about helping the people. And I go, what do you mean by that? He says, well, all any business is set up to do is to help a group of people that have some sort of problem. That's all any business is. And if you think business is just for you get paid and you're not doing something for people, then you're never going to be successful. And when my father passed, uh, he'd moved away from Iran. A lot of people didn't know that he died, right? But some people would find out, and a, couple, a few of them called me, and they all said to me, I want you to know who your dad was. And I'm like, I know who my dad was. I'm his son. He goes, no, 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 no. I want you to know who your dad was. And they would tell me a story about something in their life that happened that he helped them with. One person was an employee of his that didn't have enough money to buy his mom a house. And it was bothering him because it was his lifelong dream to buy his mom a house. He'd always lived in a rental in Iran. And one day my dad just came up to him, he said, and gave him a set of keys. And he said, what's this? He said, these are the keys to your mom's new house. And he said, what? He said, look, um, I know you had this much money. I called your bank manager, found out how much more you needed. I put in that other money and we, we got your mom the house. And the guy you know, to this day, he remembers that. He calls me and says, I want to shake Napoleon Ballou's son's hand. I go, I'm not Napoleon Ballou. I'm Nicky Ballou. I'm, no, I'm not that man. He says, no, his blood flows through your veins. I want to shake your hand. It's an honor. And I was like, I was like bawling and blown away. But my dad was a businessman who made a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? Like dad made a, a mm -hmm. shit ton of money and he liked toys. He liked buying things. He liked going to places. He was a, he was a consumer. And what do you say to someone like my dad, who's all about businesses, about making a difference for people, but he likes to consume conspicuously and made zero apologies for it? Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's my question. What do you say to someone like my dad or someone like me? I don't think you can have somebody who lives a life that's of service without also getting yeah. something back and having the right to choose to decide how they want to create their life. And that includes cons consumption. Physical consumption of goods, no shirts. Yeah, you know, go for it. Listen, listen, I got to go for it. If you think that's sustainable in the earth, then I guess we'll see. I've, I've, I, and just so you know, what you're saying isn't true. I've given everything I own away. Everything I own fits in two bags, this one and one other. And uh, I go around the world completely of service. My life is richer and more magical than it's ever been than when I used to make a million dollars per uh, consulting contract. Uh, just a few weeks ago, doing some work, and there was whales jumping there in Mexico. The week before that, I was in South Africa. I went for a run. I was running with giraffes and zebras. Um, life is richer than the richest person I know. And I've had clients that are billionaires. But my life is pure magic. You want stuff? Fine, go get stuff. I used to teach people how to do this, make money, only do what brings you joy. And then that hit a wall. Because now you're completely hostage to that shit. I now teach people how, people how to bring joy to anything you do. And now you're free. Now you're sovereign.
I don't think it's the most important thing in life. I think the most important thing in life is the people in your life. You know, Great. cultivate out of that. Cultivate that. And I do. I learned the lesson. Yeah. So that's my challenge. You know, nobody needs to believe it, but I will actually demonstrate it with the work that we're doing with the alignment game. I've actually found that instead of trying to get people to consume less, the more I can have them access joy and aliveness fulfillment, they actually just naturally do because it actually gets in the way and they love this and they love simplicity, the creativity. And at the same time, the math of it is just being a, an, an unrelenting consumer. It's not good for all sorts of things. I believe I'm not going to impose a belief on anybody, but I've done the math very, very thoroughly. And um, I'm not saying don't have anything. I believe that there's a very powerful way to balance all of that off. Doing it unconsciously, I think is a mistake. Hmm. That's interesting. And, and you, if you actually did the math, if you said, okay, you have X number of acres of land and listen, you, you, this, your family, everything has to go and be sustained by it. You would never consume that conspicuously. And there's less than one and a half acre, arable acre per land per human being on the planet. But even if you, even if you had 50 acres and you got had that up to sustain you, there's a bunch to things. And it's not about not having stuff, but you could say, hey, I want to make sure that as I have stuff, there's, there's an offset and there's a balance and there's a way it's done. If we had said, as humans, and we still can go, okay, whatever we do, we're going to do it knowing where the skills lie. It's possible to do. So that's that's my that's my answer. I'll never argue with anybody about it. That's fine. Carry on. But if you actually were interested and you did the math, you discover, all right, well, that's a stable. It won't happen in my lifetime, but, you know, you screw it for future generations. They can deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not well, telling people to shut down their business, businesses. I'm telling them to reduce your footprint to what's manageable. Put resources back in that more than offset it so your business can grow and the earth can get healthier. You could do that. You could be accountable for that. You know, I, um, I think that uh, it's, uh, it's important that we leave the earth in a good place for the future. hundred um, percent. I don't know. I mean, Am I a conspicuous consumer? Somewhat. I'm different than my father. My father liked having lots of clothes. He liked having nice cars. I don't really care about the car thing. I need a car to get around. I'm good with what I got. The only thing I collect are knives <laughs> and books. <laughs> I like to read and I like sharp things. <laughs> That's the things I like to collect. But... You know, do I think everybody on the planet is uh, all of a sudden going to want to have less? I don't know. I'd love to see what you're going to come out with. I'd love to see if it actually does. And everybody that we've done the work with so far has reduced the physical assumption. But I'm not even saying that. I'm saying, okay, are you willing to do whatever you do physically and balance it out? See, in the life regenerative business model, grow as big as you want because the bigger you grow, the better the planet gets because it's built into the system that, that that your company more than offsets its footprint. I'm not trying to get in front of the bulldozer and say, anybody stop. I'm saying, are you willing to do it in a manner that's regenerative of life? Well, I mean, the answer, the answer to that is, yeah, if it's doable, 100%, right? 100%. No question it's doable. 
There's no question. We just determined, of course, it's possible. You just got to figure it out. There's no question. Saying it's not possible is insane. The bottom line is we do what's important to us. Whatever is important, we figure it out. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, um, and I hear there's some things that are very important to you and you're developing some really cool models to help bring transformation to the world. I don't know. I, I, I'll, I'll be candid. Do I think the earth is going to hell in a handbasket physically, environmentally? I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I haven't studied enough to give it a definitive answer. But I also see a lot of people using it as an excuse to go out there and um, take a whole lot of things away from people. And um, yeah, but where did I? I didn't. I didn't say that at all. I said I used to. I, I know you did. I, I know you did. I understand that. Didn't. I understand it. But here's the deal, right? For instance, I don't talk about climate change at all. I have no fucking clue if it's real or if it's not. But listen, you know yeah. what? You don't have to go to that. You just have to go. You just have to go and look at. You don't need to this climate change real or not. No. Okay. Good. Is any is any is any CEO going to live downstream of their factory? No. There's no there's no rocket science about pollution is bad. <laughs> pollution sucks. And you know, having this mass of plastic in the ocean that's miles and miles long, that really sucks. That's bad, 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 bad. There's no question about it. It should be reduced. Hundred percent. There's there's no question about that. The toxicity, about the amount of illnesses that people are experiencing that have healthy lifestyles. Dude, that's all right there. You know, I don't, I'm not going to, I don't know if climate change is real or not. That I agree with you 100%. But about a rate of consumption of burning resources and the and the toxins and pollution that puts in the space, that's a no-brainer. You don't have to be on one side or the other to just see the physical facts of that. There's a fellow I want to introduce you to. I'll talk to you about him offline. I don't want to mention his name online, but I think he and you should talk. He's a very interesting cat and he's he's doing some really interesting things in the world. I think the two of you would get along very, very well. So, um, that things, things that can be things that can be easily measured are just, for instance, like fresh water and water tables in big cities. Yeah, you think that's not going to go in bad ways soon and stuff like that? It's already bad. It's getting it's worse. It's, it's bad. Yeah. It's bad and getting. That's worse. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. With that, I'm hundred percent on board. Hundred percent yeah. on board with that. A thousand percent on board with that. Yeah. Okay. So I run a I run a consultancy. I work with mostly entrepreneurs and business owners. I help them take their expertise, turn it into what I call industry thought leader status so they can be seen as the go-to person in their space. And I help them utilize that to to grow bigger, get bigger, have their uh, company scale, have them attract the best employees. And all of that all of that's great. All of that's done virtually. I don't produce any physical goods. I don't pollute the environment with what I do. But um, I look at this and I listen to what you're saying. And I'm like, if there's a way for me to do all of that, and on top of that, make a massive difference in how human beings live, in how they are able to leave a powerful legacy for the next generation. I'm all over that. I'm doing some things in that regard, which, you know, we don't have time to get into on, on this particular podcast, but I got to say, I really like what you're saying. I like the direction that you're taking this in. I like that you were game to have some devil's advocacy thrown your way. And, um, 
I, I can't wait to participate in some of this stuff, Rags. It's very exciting. So how do I do that? How do people yeah. do that? Well, I know most mostly they'll have to wait. Well, there's a couple of things. I mean, we're I don't know if I've got that much room left in the pro, next prototype run of the cleanup game. I'm going to be launching um, the first group run of the of the mentoring program for the life regenerative business model sometime in the next sometime later this year. Um, and uh, uh, you know, it's about. Don't get me wrong. My business stuff is very, very. I I don't settle for anything less than exceptionally high performing businesses. It's just they have to also they have to elevate lives. It's not a, they don't I don't shut them down. I grow them. <laughs> they, 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 but in their growth, they serve life, don't consume it. It's the balance sheet, my friend, and it's therefore it's possible for everybody in the world. Uh, the other thing is we have a, a philosophy called the end game. Now, why do you want all of that stuff? Well, in order to be happy and enjoy life. Well, what if you were ridiculously happy and enjoying life right now? <laughs> not when you got stuff, you know, good stuff, and not stuff. Amen. Which we're not saying don't have stuff, but get what get being the source of your life, and then see what you really, really want. And I've just in the last year and a half had people massively reduce, not just just because they had dead stuff in their space. Now, um, so the thing is, and I've been developing this stuff now. So I have. I'll be launching versions like, like, like the prototype of the cleanup game at the personal level. As an example, when people do that cleanup game, all of their business performance goes up, up from a significant amount to massively. Right. So the the, the condition like is called that. the ontological condition. The ontological conditioning. So you know, if you want to play a sport, yeah. Suppose you're like a really good soccer player as a kid, and you run circles around your friends. So you don't bother doing the conditioning. And the further up you get, high school, college it starts to take a toll because it doesn't matter how good your skills are. If you're not in good shape, you can't keep up with the game, right? No, you can't. Even though you have these mad, even though you have these mad skills. So what I work on now is the ontological conditioning of the self. And as people get this conditioning and everything cleaned up, boom, out here, the performance goes through the roof. And we reliably have magic happen. Magic. See, that's the other thing. I don't even know how to get across. See, I, this is the one thing, Nikki, is... I know what I'm saying doesn't fully land from where people are thinking, but we're having pr people produce things in life that just doesn't fit in the current paradigm. And they're like, fuck, I had no idea. Well, and well, I, I have no way to describe that. You got to experience it. No, I get it. I get what you're saying, man, so, at, at, at a deep level. And what you said about soccer makes sense. My oldest son is 17 years old and he's a soccer player. Yeah. When he was a kid, yeah. he wasn't the best player, right? He was a decent player, but he wasn't the best player. But he went, he yes. practiced, he got under the leadership of a really powerful soccer ontological coach um, who's the best at coaching kids his age in, in Canada, possibly the world. This guy's so good. Yeah. Croatian, the Croatian national team just hired him to work with mm -hmm. them. So he's still coaching our team. So came on right now, 17 years old. The kids who, when they were younger, they were better, faster. The teams who didn't do all the stuff that he did, all the ongoing conditioning that he did. He's now 6'1", 185 pounds. You know, he's quick. He's strong. He's got skills. He's got soccer smarts. He runs rings around those kids that didn't do all the work leading up to this. So, Great. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is – so consider we have a very low standard for fitness of being in our yeah. environment – which if you elevate that, puts you, boom. It just elevates whatever game you're playing, gets elevated. And so um, so over here, 
we have the per the cleanup game for individuals over in next sometime later this year i'm going to be launching um the a, a prototype for a group version of of uh businesses that want to get mentored in the life regenerative business model probably and i sorry i'm hesitating a little bit because i'm just so working it out you know i used to work really really high end in my consulting you know at super high rates and um I want to do this at a very at a very low rate for people who real heart is really in it. Do you know what I'm saying? And they're yeah. going to be prototyping. So I'm going to take a limited amount. But you know, if if people wanted to un and understand this, you would have to go. Oh, I want. I'd love to be a pioneer, a pioneer, an early adopter of demonstrating what it is like the first airplane, well, the I, first I, cell phone to have. My, I want to have do my it. life. I want to be one of your early adopters, brother. <laughs> I'm in. Right. I'm in. Right. So. That's that's one of the things um, that that I'll, I'll have some room for. Um, I'm working, you know, if anybody's interested in education, I'm working with a school in Mexico. It's given themselves over to me. Said, hey, you can use us to prototype and demonstrate anything. Uh, I'm working with a doctor on designing a health and wellness a new approach to revolutionize that, that gamify and make it hilarious and fun. Uh, working with another team of people on how to design homes and communities, living environment that app times ten redefine the very nature of living and quality of life. These are things that are happening. Um, some are like you can, you know, with, with a cleanup game, we're going to we're asking people to participate with the donation, whatever value produces. And this one, I've done two free ones. Now I'm going to take a little bit um, on the business thing. There'll be a monthly subscription like thing, you know, not my old old fees, but like a amount. But, you know, like that, that's how that one work. The other ones are just R&D projects for people who are passionate. I have some world class people from different places around the world participating because they're inspired by what we're, we're doing. And there's other, in, in, in people can say, hey, I would love to participate in that. Or FU is about having a ridiculously good time creating a few represents that about a whole other level. You could plug anything into it. We're creating it as a plug and play. And I'll give you an example. So a guy who came across me, he's in, in the late 20s. He's done exceptionally well in the last 10 years, making a living trading stocks, being a day trader, right? And then he built a company with his friend, um, mentoring traders, you know, with, with a subscription and they made millions from that. Then he did this kind of work. He goes, damn, it's not about the money. I wanted this to make a difference. And then had a, he wanted to change the flow, either the parting of ways with his partners left. I'm not trading anymore. Then said, oh, but I love it. He said, Rags, you told me we could put anything on your platform. What about trading? How would we do that? How would I change this? I said, well, if you want to do it this way, then we would say, our trading mentorship program, you have to measure everything. You have to do measure your trading, your your fitness, your joy, your relationships, right? That's going to be a holistic program because our stuff doesn't consume life. It nurtures it. So um, he just, for instance, he said, okay. And he's got, he suddenly got about, about 20, 30 guys who are coming in, loving it, wanting to try this on. In just two, three months, without even dropping in the clean the game, he's just taken a part of it. We have guys, one guy's lost 20 pounds, one guy lost 40 pounds, one guy quit smoking after 20 years. One guy, he said, my life, I was told when I got sober 10 years ago, my life would be magical. It wasn't. But now in two week, two months, it's got magical. Three different guys, they've doubled or tripled their trading income because when they clean up their space, they make much better trades. I could go on. Right. Yeah. But another example is people are welcome to say, hey, how do we how do we create a this version? How do we create a this version? You know, and then so what we're up to do is revolutionize finance instead of a bad name, have people flourish, be incredibly healthy. And then our goal is that when, but when you fully aligned, you go an hour and some of my success, I'm going to use it to contribute to life.
So listen, I'd, I'd like to do your cleanup game. How do I get involved in that? Um, I'll send you some notes. Uh, we're going to launch, we're going to have an introduction call on Friday, June 2nd, where it's just, we're going to introduce it and say, okay, after this, if you're a yes, then we'll give you the orientation call. And then it starts, I mean, it starts. So I'm at yes. noon, Toronto time on Friday, June 2nd. Okay. Then you hop on and then you say, we'll ask you to say yes at the end of that red pill or blue pill. Right. But I get it. <laughs> I'm just a yes. I'm, I'm like, we don't like, I know you, I trust you. I don't need the call. I mean, if you want me on the call, it's part of the process. I'll do it. Uh, it, 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 it it's fine. Well, I, I, yeah, it's, it's fine. Uh, it's and I'll, it all, the recording will also be made available. But I, yeah. I do request the, the, the be on. I just want to get fully oriented. It's very, here's what I want you to get. Cause I haven't said some things about it. We're making it a game. It's really, really silly. It is completely not politically correct. It is um, politically correct, man. You're going to have, you have a podcast interview with. In fact, <laughs> I got canceled by Amazon last week and I had to fight to get reinstated. That's how politically oh, incorrect yeah. I am. All right. Okay, got it. So, but we, in the call, we say what we're going to do. It, by the way, the game requires, it's a game. It's playing. So you're on a soccer field. You don't sit and watch. I tell people this is not a program. It's a game. It's a program. So if you're not going to play, don't be there, right? There's activity. There's two calls a week. You don't have to be on them all day. It's not about be like that. It's about play. You know, that we have an online group. You'll be sharing there. You'll be on the calls. It's that you're active. So that's a requirement. We make fun of everything. Whatever people are dealing with, we, we, we are irreverent. We will revere nothing. We are respectful of what you're dealing with. This, that, you can be respected. But we will mock it, make fun of it, because the laughter loosens everything and everything like that. Just to be clear, so all of these things we want to get clear. And the it's not for, it's not for everybody. Ridiculous, and it's edgy and it's effective. Yeah, look, I'm I want to do it. We may even have to introduce like we're talking about like to make fun of things as have desensitivity training because you best not be sensitive if you're going to judge. No, no, <laughs> it's all run by our our our, um, our spiritual leader is the rubber chicken. It's known also the personal front sign is the cult of the rubber chicken. And uh, and this is our oh, we just channeled the chicken, our spiritual leader, right there. Listen, Rags, I am very politically incorrect, um, and uh, I uh, I love everything you're saying. Um, I believe uh, that there are some uh, things happening in our world right now that that are downright wrong. I think there's dark forces out there that are um, interested in having just a, a group of people at the top be in charge of everything and they don't really care very much about what the rest of humanity is dealing with. And I'm very vocal about that. Uh, and, uh, I got vocal enough about it that I wrote a couple of books with a, uh, American, um, radio and television, uh, talk show host. And, uh, one of those books, um, mm -hmm. this guy knows the, uh, former president of the United States uh and uh, donald trump donald trump read the book liked it mm -hmm. and posted about it on his truth social app and three days later amazon canceled my account where i published the book and said oh you don't own the rights to this book and i'm like wait a minute how the heck did this just happen 100 media outlets grab hold of this i'm thinking we're gonna sell a gazillion books yay and then i get canceled and I have to go and fight to clear my name to say I'm not a thief. I didn't steal the material that's in this book. It's actually mine and the co-authors, and we have all the rights. It took us three days to get them to reinstate us. They told us they wouldn't. There's no appeal. I had to push back very hard. And uh, 
you know, at the same time, I realized, like you say, uh, that a lot of what I thought to be right in the world is wrong. Uh, I'm wrong about a lot. I haven't gotten to the point where I'm ready to say I'm wrong about everything, but I'm wrong about a lot. And um, it's important to humble myself and learn. And this year, you know, you remember, Rags, when you met me, I was a top fitness trainer. I worked with Olympic gold medalists, right? I stopped doing that about 10 years ago. And every year I gained one to five pounds. And then I look at myself in the mm -hmm. mirror on um, in uh, late January and I got this big fat belly and I'm like, screw this. Okay. You're not a fitness trainer anymore. And you've been lying to yourself that you can get fit anytime you want. No more. You're going to hire somebody. Mm -hmm. So I found a guy who was really good at getting people on bodybuilding stages, including old farts like me, like 50 year olds, 55 year olds, 60 year olds. I hired him. Just like I said to you, I said to him, I said, I'm hiring you. I didn't ask him what he charges. I didn't ask him any of that. I just said, look, you get this result. Can you get me the result? He says, yes, I can. I go, I'm in. And then after I said, I'm in, oh, I guess you better tell me what you charge, right? Like that was kind of how that went down, right? I guess you better tell me what you charge. And he told me, and then I, my, my lady, she's like, wait a minute, you're doing this program? I want to do this program. So I called him up and I said, look, my lady wants yeah. to do the program. Do you have some sort of couples deal, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, Persian Bazaari, right? Like just, he goes, yeah, yeah, we'll give you a deal. Boom. You know, three months later, I'm down 25 pounds, right? And I wanna, I wanna, I wanna knock down another 20. So I was up 45 pounds overall. I want to knock down another 20. And this is the year I promised myself at the beginning of the year that I'm gonna take on learning from the best of the best. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a different human being. I want to be a bigger service. And one of the things I run, Rags, which I didn't tell you about, is I run a men's organization called Sovereign Man. I believe we're living in a time where a lot of men are lost, unsure of how to be a man in this day and age. And so I started Sovereign Man as a place where you uplift men. You motivate men to be better men and iron sharpens iron. So we've got this group going on and it's important to me to grow this group. I would like this group to be at least a thousand men, 10,000 men, all of whom are about standing for, you know, a traditional positive vision of masculinity, men who like, you know, provide for their families, men who protect their families, men who are, you know, out there being great fathers, great husbands, great leaders in the community, not guys that you see on the internet right now going, go sleep with 30 women. It's cool. That's what makes a great man. Go make a gazillion dollars. It's cool. And like, not that I'm against people making money, but I think that our society needs men and women to get together to Parabon, to have kids. Otherwise we're not going to have a society you know, so I want to encourage as many good men to have the skill to do that. So for me, that's my legacy vision. My business is my business. It feeds me. It feeds my family. This is what I want to do in the world. And to get myself to be a better leader, I want to do programs like what you're talking about. I want to do, I want to participate in games, play games like the cleanup game, the end game now game, the game of business. I want to do it all. So I'm in. Is all I'm trying to say to you. I'm sorry that I, I ranted. You're the guest, not me. And I spoke like I was the guest, but this is why I'm interested in no, it. No problem. Anyways. No so, problem. So, so, Rags, we end off each one of our episodes by asking you as our guest expert for your top three expert action steps. These are your best pieces of advice for my listener, my audience to take on and take their, their life to the next level. So what say you? Well, you could do your own homemade version of the cleanup, like, until until we roll out just like just like my buddy josh just took the teeniest bit of it to his traders and their lives already like that 
the thing about it is this. So I would say you could simply could, you know, even on your own, the thing is there's so much to clean up your entire physical space. You know, anything in your life that's not a fuck yes, it's not a hell yes. Either you get rid of it, modify it, or transform your relationship to it. But give yourself the give yourself the grace of waking up into a life to hell yes, everything, you know? So, oh, you get this, clear stuff out, get rid of stuff, clean up your 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 laptop, your desktop. People go, well, what's a big deal? I go, if your house was as, as cluttered as your desktop, would you walk into it? They're like, no. No, you have no idea the energy that all that provides is all the relationships, you know, clean up, get everything into. And that makes stuff happen. Yeah, it makes sense. It's like you go into life. Most of us go into life. I've gone into my life many, many times without really being prepared. I just kind of show up. And what you're talking about is do all the work to prep beforehand. Right. Yes. So so consider consider a great diet, great fitness, great this. Consider that's what you're paid for. Consider that's the work. Then you watch what happens when you show up in your business. I promise you, I promise you. It is. So, I mean, you're, you're asking me for a couple. I mean, yeah, I could talk about this and business strategy and stuff like that. Lost, but these, this thing has been a game changer in the last couple of years that I've been working with people. <sighs> because if you are whole and satisfied, you call it thing, satisfy the day. Always satisfy the day. Start with the self. Your goal is not, go, don't worry about five or 10 years. Satisfy the day. Starting with yourself, make sure you're in great shape. Then what you do at, at, at the office or in the business, your goal is, and you satisfy the day every day and you see where that takes you. Right? And, you, and the basis of satisfying the day is great giving yourself mind body and soul be in great shape consider you're paid for that it's not maybe you'll make time for it consider i really invite people to consider that that's what you're paid for like that's the like you don't see the athletes doing that and it shows up but then they show up at the game but it shows up in the game you shows up. some consider your business is your game yeah and that's 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 produced something quite quite remarkable and and Back to the thing that I started with. If we're talking about I'm talking about business, Nikki, it's again wake up and say, how can I give more? Not how can I get more? Yeah. And you don't have to trust me on that. You have to only imagine which would you rather be a customer of. No, it's true. That's true. It's true. Yeah. Um How can I give more? That's a great question. That's a great context with which to live life. You know? Yeah. How do I how do I blow my customers away? How do I blow my spouse away? You know? You want a magical relationship? Come from there. You want to have an incredible business and great clients? You go, how oh, you think they're like, oh man, I don't know what it is, but I love the love uh this this guy or or i do know what it is they just go the extra mile they just always blow me away (laughs) it's not complex there's a fellow that i've interviewed on both this podcast and my men's podcast his name is lieutenant colonel david grossman right and when he comes on he just gives he shares of his knowledge and this guy he's really smart He's written a whole bunch of New York Times bestselling books. He sold like a couple million copies of his books. 
He's traveling 200 days a year, speaking all around the world to law enforcement, military. His books are required reading in places like West Point and the Marine Corps, uh, kind of like, uh, you know, educational uh, institution. I forget the name of it. And all he does when he comes on is he just gives. And when I spoke with him the other day, he just said, can I come on your show and talk about this? And he's the guy who shared with me about the tourniquets, right? That I told you about earlier today. He's the one who said, look, the level of violence, like because he, he talks to law enforcement all the time, is through the freaking roof. It's the highest it's it's ever been in our history in uh, in the last 150 years. And, and I said, what about Canada? He goes, even in Canada. Canada's not as bad as the States, but it's there. And he says that, you know, what happened in the States, uh, you know, the Ferguson effect and the George Floyd effect uh, is they just sent violence through the roof. And if you're not prepared to be able to defend yourself or if you or someone you love or just someone on the street getting hurt isn't prepared, man, you're going to see people die around you. He says, statistically, it's very probable that you're going to be in an environment in your city that you thought was safe and there's going to be somebody there who's going to behave violently towards you or someone that you can see. You better be ready to do something about it. He opened my eyes. Like, I never thought about this. I'm like, I live in Toronto. Come on. There's like, you know, it's a safe city. No big deal. And now I'm like, okay, yeah, it's safe. I've encountered nothing too big, but my son encountered this friend of his who was beaten up by 10 guys on the subway just for looking at them funny. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do something about this. And not only that, I'm telling everybody I know, Rags, I'm going to send you his his two episodes that he did, the one this week and the one next week. You should listen and be prepared. Have a tourniquet with you, at least this this one around, just in case someone gets hurt. Be ready to learn how to use it. It's smart. could save a life that way. And I just thought, wow, man, this guy is he, – he doesn't need to come on my show. You know what I mean? He already is successful. He's getting paid all the time. He sold millions of books. He came on my show – because we built a relationship and he wanted people that listened to me to know how to take care of themselves. And I just thought to myself, I love this guy. Whatever he wants, I'm going to do for him. And I'm going to send him to other guys I know who've got big shows who can help him out, help him sell books, whatever. And that's because he didn't come asking me for anything. He just wanted to give. So you're 100% right. It's got to be a service orientation that leads your business. Yeah. And and uh, I found this zone, which is, and it's not out there, but there's this place beyond where we serve, even to get something where if I can get people lined up with truly who they are, all you want to do is fulfill that and you experience nothing missing. And if you do get anything, it's like, wow, that's amazing. But the, there's this possibility of being so aligned and trued up to yourself and fulfilling that. It's like when you're on the soccer field. This is the game. This actually saying, let me add this one thing to keep it okay, because this yeah. change, this is what began to flip for me. I first was, okay, I, I want people to be happy. Let's find out what do you want? I want this. I want to grow my business. I would help them grow. I would double, triple their businesses. They weren't any happier. Sometimes they were more stressed than what I had. Then I would go, okay. Then I went through iterations of that, make a better working environment. This, this, still something. Then I go, oh, oh. I thought I would, every time you think you're brilliant, just be careful. You, you're missing something. <laughs> and so I thought, oh, oh. They, they don't want, they, why they want to grow their business or stuff is because they want an experience. They want to feel happy, fulfilled. So let's work only on the mechanics of happy and fulfilled. Let's work on that. Let's give them that. And that was made things better, but there was still something missing. There was still, 
And then I felt, you know, one of those old sayings from one of the Eastern teachers, he said, attachment to things spiritual is, is no different than attachment to things material. It's still an attachment. It's still a chasing of something. So I go, oh, chasing money, chasing fulfillment. Like, so then I, then again, I just talked out and I just kept digging and digging and I like it went many different places. And then, then it came, boom, this whole work as we were working with people and their purpose, I dropped it in mind. And then it started doing this with others. It was like the joy of the game, the game. So I no longer care about being happy or fulfilled or this or getting stuff or whatever. I want to play my game at the best I can. And none of what I'm talking about is a radical elevation of humanity. It is accessing what is already normal. So when you're on that soccer field, your son, right? You play with everything you have. Sometimes they score on you and you're bummed out. Sometimes you score and you're exhilarated. In the game, you have room for all the feelings. You don't go chasing some feelings and avoiding others. You're playful out, right? And you give it. And it's oh, and you have room for all the feelings and you experience them and you move on. So you're feeling your life fully when you play at a high level, right? You're, you're living life fully and it's okay to be bummed out and it's okay to be exhilarated and it's okay to be out of breath and uncomfortable. And it, you get what I'm saying? It's okay. And when you're on the field and the ball's there and you're chasing that ball, you don't go, do I look good? Do I not look good? Am I happy? Am I fulfilled? Am I not fulfilled? Am I sad? You don't, nothing. When you're in the game, playing your position with everything you got, all you want is to give it your best. Yeah. And then afterwards, some joy, some this, some exhilaration is a side effect. That's the fruit. We do, well, in our work, we're always about source. Water the roots, water the roots, take care of the roots, fruit comes. People do this work a little bit. They get fruit and then they start chasing the fruit and they stop doing the work. People come out of courses. They're doing the work for about three weeks, cleaning this up, cleaning that up. It produces miracles and they start chasing the fruit. Stay like your son did with his trainer. Like, why is he doing this? Because he's sticking with the work, right? Yeah. He's sticking yeah. with the work. You got your new trainer. You're sticking with the work. It's the yeah. work. It's the work. It's the work. And then, so what I got is you want, you want to, you want to, what, what would, you know, you want to talk about, I'm all about sovereignty. You want sovereignty? You're sovereign from this, from that, yours to me, because you are who you are and you are not at the effect of anything outside of you. That's sovereignty, my friend. Yeah. No, this is good. It's, it's interesting what you just shared. There's a lot in there. I, I mean, we're wrapping up, but I want to just quickly comment on this and unpack a bit of it before we go. I believe that I'm not here on this earth to be happy. And you spoke about that. And I'm really glad that you spoke about that because too many people think that, oh, I just want to be happy. I want to be fulfilled. Fulfilled is better than happy, but I don't think I'm on this earth to be fulfilled either. I'm on this earth to, I'm on this earth to live, to love, to learn, to grow, to contribute. Those are the five things that I have come up with. And the only way I can do those things is to get into the day and whatever it is that I'm involved with, play full out with it, give it my all. So in this interview, I'm not thinking about the 15 things I still have to do. I'm thinking about, wow, this is a great conversation. I'm learning a shit ton, right? And when I finish this interview, I'm going to think about whatever the heck it is else that I'm going to be involved with. And if I do that and I mm -hmm. give it my all, play full out, I think I'm going to call this episode play full out. That'll be a great name for this episode. 
then uh, then I don't feel fulfilled. I don't feel happy, but I feel a quiet satisfaction. Like all the tension, all the, the stress just leaves the body. I don't really have any feelings, no emotions, but I'm satisfied. And there's no better yeah. fucking feeling than that satisfaction in my experience. No better feeling. Yeah. And, and I don't, so in this I don't body, often feel that way, but when I do feel that way, I go, wow, this is great. <laughs> yes. So one of our fundamental commitments is people can make the distinction between gratification and satisfaction. And they see how much of their life is set up chasing moments of gratification, uh, hoping to string them close enough to get it to simulate satisfaction without even realizing that's what's going on. But you nailed it. You nailed it from my perspective. And how you get satisfaction is you don't even work on it. You just do the right thing. And for years, I have now told people, do not come to my trainings or workshops if you want to learn how to get more of life. Not interested, go away. This is If you want to learn how to give more life, if you want to learn how to give it, and if you want to learn how to have nothing left on the table, but you gave it everything, you sweat, you like that, and you like gave it everything like you would in the game, then, I'm, then you can show up. Yeah, yeah. Amen, man. Amen. Well, Rags, this has been great. Um, so do you have a website or a place you want to send people to? None of that exists. <laughs> yeah, nope. You're the first dude who's come on here who's got nothing to promote. I love it, man. Nothing I want to I, share. I got, yeah, you know, the, the, this is really, I mean, I really invite, like, I mean, I'm a living example of that transcendent. Like, you know, like you said at the beginning, you have, but then you have to get, I don't need to, I don't need anything or anything or have a website or like that. When these games launch and we want for general public, we'll create them. But I, I, I've demonstrated, I, I, I want to be a living demonstration of everything. In 15 years, I've never done a sales or marketing call for my business. I deliver the work at the highest level that I can make the most produce value for people. Keeps bringing me more work than I want. You know, I then I choose. I don't need a website. And I also, people say, you must have one. Okay, I'm going to prove to you I don't. You know, and 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 everything like that. And truth is, I got nothing to plug. This is what I'm up to. I'm sharing. If people are, I don't know, if they're interested, whatever. But I don't, man. I and that's the whole thing about being. Once you get this thing of, and that's all. All I want to do is to give to people. This is what I got. That's all I want to do. It's like you could just be free. You could get who you are, what your life is for. Get in great shape to deliver it, and then watch life unfold. So from there, yeah. in this approach. It's a great you, approach. You no longer navigate. In this approach, you no longer navigate from where am I getting to. I was masterful. People could put any target in front of me. I would hit it and exceed it. But I couldn't promise how they'd feel, like how they'd be. In this flip, you don't navigate from where you're getting to. You navigate from where you're coming from with honor and integrity and joy and love in everything you do. And you see where it takes you. You know, it will take you where that stuff should take you. And it will create an environment of honor and joy and love because you work with honor and joy and love. Not because you're chasing a picture. One of the most debilitating things in humanity is our addiction and our attachment to the picture of how we want it to look, which is not how it is now. Yeah, amen. Versus living true to yourself in honor and joy and love now and seeing where that takes you. Because if you stick with that, it will take you to an environment of those things. Yeah. And it will exceed your expectations and imagination. But you got to do the work every day. I appreciate it, man. Send me the information about the cleanup game and about the business game. I'm interested in both. And um, All right. 
God bless you, brother. Thanks for coming on the show. And I'm going to send you a few episodes uh, of uh, my other show with Colonel Grossman. Sure, I'm yeah, to, great. I'm, I'm yeah. also going to send you uh, an episode we did on giving versus getting, because that's a, a topic that has, God has chosen to send that topic to me from four different messengers in the last month. So there's got to be something to it. <laughs> there you go. There's got to be something. Has come again. Yeah, he's, yeah. He, he's, he's, he's good that way. You didn't, you didn't get it with the first messenger. Let me send you another one, another one, another one. Okay, God, got it. You're going to keep coming. Thank you. All right. All right. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's incredible guest, the one and only Rags, Anurag Gupta, go to the show notes at thethoughtleaderrevolution.com or wherever you happen to listen to this episode, be it Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Rumble, or what have you. Until next time, goodbye. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice.